What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Leah Irby on today's episode. You guys, she is a fertility coach too. So this is going to be super special. Leah, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I was married in 2004 and um, a year later we said, hey, let's, uh, let's start trying to conceive. And um, the first month, I had pregnancy symptoms, so I said, oh, uh, suddenly I feel a little queasy, and I have an increased sense of smell, and maybe that's pregnancy, and, and I started looking things up online, like, oh, okay, maybe this is possibly, and I didn't know anything at that point about charting my cycles or, or what this meant or anything, so I didn't even know that you had to wait two weeks to take a pregnancy test, so I went out and bought a pregnancy test, and I read the directions, and it was like, oh. We have to wait two weeks. Okay, fine. Um, so anyway, um, when my period didn't, um, it didn't come right on time, but we took a test, it was negative. And then it was like, well, okay, why did I have those symptoms? So, okay, who knows? So try it again the next month. And then the next month, um, the same thing happened. And we had I had the same symptoms and got my period on time and it was like, I don't know what's happening. And I went to a counselor and she just basically said, oh, well, you're just imagining it. It's all in your head, those symptoms. And um, so anyway, I kind of got already after two months, I said, something's up in my body, but I didn't know what or what to do next. So I went to like a naturopath. And had them check and it was like, well, I don't know, you have low adrenals, maybe you're stressed out a little, which, I, but there was no like obvious, you need to fix X, Y, and Z to get pregnant. So I thought, okay, we just keep trying. And then about a year went by and I had the same symptoms again where I felt pregnant. We were actually on vacation. I remember thinking like, oh, okay, this is going to be it. We, we went on a boat trip or something and I got a bit queasy in the boat and I thought, okay. And actually had a massage with somebody. And, um, you know, usually if you are pregnant, you tell the massage therapist what's going on. So I said, well, I don't know. We're in like the two week wait, but might be pregnant. So um, and she said, I had kind of this intuition when you guys came in that you were pregnant. And so anyway, but same thing happened. I, I got my period on time and didn't know what was going on. And finally someone, so it was a year into our process, someone finally recommended the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, which I highly recommend if you're not familiar with charting your cycles. So, so helpful in general. Um, and uh, that just gave me a new education on kind of keeping track not only of your temperatures, but your cervical mucus. And anyway, I started to realize, oh, okay, I'm more information. And okay, my ovulation's a bit late and what's going on. And so anyway, 
uh, time went by and it fast forward a, a bit. And then we went to a fertility clinic finally. So we started trying in 2005, so about 2007 finally. Um, my husband at the time went to the fertility clinic first because we had guessed that he had some issues with ejaculation. And so we thought maybe there's sperm issues. So we started there. I know most people start with the women in the fertility clinic, but it actually started with him. And he went in and they're like, okay, well, we recommend IUIs because your sperm count's really low. And if you're also having trouble with the ejaculation, it's not going to get very far. So you got to um, do IUIs if you want to have a better success. So um, we started January of 2008. Then it was like, okay, now you have to come in because, you know, you got to do testing. And I don't know. I was just very resistant to the testing. I was like, no, I don't need this. But anyway, they did a HSG test where they put dye through your tubes and um, it was super, super painful. And I found out later it was because the doctor did it really, really fast. And if they do it slowly and talk you through it, then it's not as painful. But, <laughs> and one of my tubes was a little bit blocked. So that probably was also part of it. But, um, it was pretty traumatic and I was there by myself. My, my husband chose not to come with me to the appointments and I had taken a day off work and uh, we lived um, a ferry ride away from Seattle area and Bainbridge Island. And so it was just this whole procedure thing. And then I was kind of traumatized and I come out and it's like, now I have to take the bus back to the ferry, back to home. And um, so anyway, that was tricky. And then I started to, um, uh, we started with IUIs, I think maybe the first one was in May. And um, then I had the same re kind of symptoms again, where I, I felt pregnant. And this time I knew like, okay, we, we targeted everything specific to ovulation. We did an IUI, all this stuff was primed up. So now when I had the same symptoms, I started to say like, what really is going on here? This has been two years, two and a half years at this point. And um, I actually had this book. Um, it is by Randine Lewis, The Infertility Cure. It's about acupuncture, and, but she has like a Western medicine background as well. But in there, she talks about this implantation reaction. And I've heard others on your show actually mention that they felt pregnant and then people told them that, oh, it's all in your head. And I just wanted to tell people that this really is a thing that you can have conception without implantation and whatever it is for you that you feel when you're pregnant. Um, I feel like a lot of women are just told like, oh, it's all in your head and you don't know what you're talking about. And for me, that was horrible on my intuition. Because I was having this struggle with I not wanting to tell everyone I'm feeling pregnant for two weeks out of every month, or not every month, but a lot. I probably had 10 at least of those months where I felt pregnant, and, um, and then period would come on time. But the difference was I would have this reaction. It was like your body's fighting off implantation. So when implantation should occur, which is usually close to your period as well, uh, then I had this like panic attacks and night sweats and, and, um, early morning insomnia. And anyway, it's generally the hard part was it's very similar to cramps or PMS or whatever and getting your period. So when I, when it was first happening, I just thought it was part of 
being sad and depressed because I was not pregnant again. But I started to realize after reading and everything, this was actually a thing. So anyway, it's related to autoimmune disorder. So I started to ask, like, why is my body having trouble? And um, I went to a holistic dentist and he looked at my teeth and said, ah, you've got a lot of metals in here. I had um, genetically missing teeth. And um, so I had these bridges put in when I was 19 or 20. And um, now I was in my 30s. And um, so they've been leaching a little bit of metals and toxicity into my body for all these years. And I really wasn't aware that that was a problem. So anyway, this holistic dentist said, let's take out this bridge. And, you know, and so I waited to do the second IUI until we had that procedure done. Because I said, you know, maybe this is related. And um, our first positive pregnancy test was a month after that we did this IUI, the second IUI. And, um, and I was a couple days late with my period, but didn't have positive pregnancy test at home, but I was still feeling pregnant and my period hadn't come. So we called the clinic and they're like, okay, we'll do a blood test. And then when they called me back about it, they were like, well, you're sort of pregnant. I'm like, how can you be sort of pregnant you're either pregnant or you're not right but the number was really low for when they had you know figured that I ovulated based on the IUI and everything and so already at the beginning there was kind of a hint that this might be a miscarriage and um so they monitored me I think I went in like every two days so I had blood draws so I it was like First, so I maybe had six, I think, over two weeks. And then at about the six-week mark, I um, I hadn't heard. I, I went in on Friday for the test, and I hadn't heard back from the clinic on Friday afternoon. Normally, they would call me after, uh, you know, if I did the test in the morning, they would send it over to the clinic from where I was. And they would usually call me by the end of the day. And so on Friday, they didn't call. And I was feeling, like, really good by that point. And I'm like, okay sorry, I feel like this is really going to happen and maybe believe that, you know, this pregnancy is really going to continue. And I remember someone actually came and watched me. I was teaching at the time and, and our superintendent for a school district was, was there at this concert. And he was like, Leah, you just are really glowing today. You just look really good. And I remember him complimenting me. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm pregnant, but I don't want to tell anyone yet. And, um, Anyway, so then on Monday, I thought, well, you know what? I should just give the fertility clinic a call back and see what, what's going on. I started spotting as well. So I, I give them a call and they're like, oh, sorry, we forgot to call you. Yeah, your numbers don't look very good. And it was actually not rising. It was like going up, but barely, and it should have kept doubling and um, so why don't you come in tomorrow for, you know, we'll do a scan and see what's going on. And this was like six weeks, six and a half weeks, something like that. Um, so anyway, they called and I found out, okay, you know, and I was having a little bit of bleeding and then they're telling me this probably isn't going to work. And so it's kind of threatened miscarriage at that point. And um, I talked to my husband and he was um, a musician. So we both lived on Bainbridge Island. He was working over in Seattle. And sometimes um, his mom had died the year before. And sometimes he would go and visit his dad. Uh, and 
I feel like during the fertility journey, it seemed like it was more random that he would, you know, tell me suddenly the same day that he was going to stay at his dad's that night whenever I needed him. So that first fertility clinic appointment, he actually went and stayed at his dad's that night when I came home and I called him and said, you know, this was a really traumatic appointment. And he's like, oh gosh, I, 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 my dad really needs me. I got to go stay with him, you know? And then the, the night that we were kind of impending miscarriage, I guess. And he said again, you know, oh, well, I, I got to go stay with my dad. And I said, I really, really need you. I think this is, you know, this, you know, might be a miscarriage and I don't feel good. And I'm emotionally, I'm crying. And he's just like, well, can't you go hang with a friend? And so I, um, I had, um, some friends I went over and hung out with, but uh, it was like, you're supposed to be with your partner during this kind of situation. And he just, um, he had anxiety and I think for him, he was just running away. He, he was scared of the whole idea of having a child. And, um, so anyway, I uh, had that struggle and we, I got him to get off work the next day and go with me into the clinic. And uh, when we got in there, I was starting to cramp and bleed. And I mean, I was doubled over in pain and sitting in the waiting room at the fertility clinic and f waiting for someone to come get me and finally someone saw me I was just like nearly crying sitting in the chair in the waiting room and finally they saw me and they're like oh the doctor's not ready yet but we'll just um you know you can come into the area where we do the transfers and there's a bed and you can lay down and she got me a heating pad and everything and, and then when they finally um got me in to look and the ultrasound they were like we we don't know where the baby is and, but they did an HCG test because they said, well, if your HCG is already going down from our last draw on Friday, then we won't do anything because, you know, it'll, you'll miscarry on your own. But uh, the HCG was still going up and on the scan, they're like, we don't know. Um, so I, I never found out if it was called ectopic, but I never found out if it was in my tubes or somewhere else or what happened. But they said, because there's a chance that if it was in the tubes, it could rupture, we need to give you methyltrexate. So um, it's like a lovely shot in the butt. And uh, I uh, actually, luckily by that point, when I knew that this was going to be ending, I said, give me all the painkillers because I was in so much pain by that point. But I was kind of scared if, if the pregnancy was okay and I was just bleeding that I didn't want to take any painkillers. So by the time they gave me the shot, I'd take some painkillers and that made this huge needle much, much easier to bear. And um, went home and I don't know, that was a Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess. And I took the rest of the week off work. And um, I just remember that, you know, there's, there's all the pain and the bleeding and all that and emotional, but I really felt alone because my husband at the time just, he admitted to me a year later, um, that he really didn't want to have kids and um, he was worried that the world was too scary and he was afraid that if he brought a child into the world that they would be upset with him and I knew that my goal my goal in life I don't know my purpose I felt one of my purposes here was to help other people but also to have a child and I just couldn't imagine not having a child and it was a premise of our agreeing to get married was you know you have to be willing to have a child 
And I even put in a clause, you have to be willing to adopt if we can't have a biological child, because I'd had a cousin who went through an infertility divorce that I watched when I was younger. Um, so I even had put that in there, like, you have to be willing to do other steps to have a child. And he just um, couldn't, um, couldn't uh, handle it. So um, I think that's, you know, why he just kind of disappeared on things. And anyway, um, so we went through the miscarriage and um, I, uh, it took a while to kind of say, let's, let's step back and let's see where we are and um, regroup. And even with, with the methotrexate, you can't try for a couple months anyway. So we waited till I think in the next year, we did maybe two more IUIs and then, um, I had some of the implantation reaction again and it was like something's still going on here. And I just got to the point where I said, I don't like feeling pregnant two weeks or three weeks out of the month. And then, you know, never having to show for it and I'm, I'm done. And I just, we had said that we would do six IUIs and I, at that point I said, no, I'm done. And, um, we, um, so then, um, sorry, we're, <laughs> um, in the, in the spring, uh, we, we went to a counselor and, uh, basically agreed that we would each go to individual counseling and try to talk through our issues. And, uh, we, neither one of us really liked the counselor that was, it was covered by the health insurance, but it just wasn't, she wasn't, she was kind of missing the mark. And so finally I asked around and I found a coach who was a spiritual coach and actually had a specialty in anxiety issues. And so I was really tuned into that because that was what my husband was dealing with. But just the very first session I had with the coach was just open up my intuition again and reaffirm that, yes, like I, I am on, I know that these, you know, little mini pregnancies have been happening over and over and, um, I'm not making it up. I'm not, I mean, it was just so, uh, hard on my spirit for, you know, three or three and a half years or four years. I think maybe by the time we got to this point of, trying and not getting anywhere and feeling like a failure as a woman. And, um, so anyway, the coaching just kind of opened up my spirit. And then I was dreaming and having all these visions about things. And I had this dream that I needed to get them out. And I had, I had already taken out this metal in my mouth. And so going to that one holistic dentist, I think had kind of put in my head that maybe your teeth could be a problem. So beyond the metals, I also had two root canals and I had two um, titanium teeth implants when the previous metal bridges had failed a couple of years before I had replaced them with teeth implants. And I originally thought that my dream was that I needed to get the teeth implants out, but it was also once I got to the dentist, it was these root canals also were a problem. And root canals are a problem because they say they clean the main canal of the tooth, but actually there's more little tiny pores throughout the tooth that can't totally be cleaned. And so you're basically putting this mostly clean thing, but with little 2% of infection back dead thing in your body. And it's, it's leaches directly into your bloodstream through your saliva. And then the metals in my mouth were all reacting with each other. So I had just this kind of toxic soup, but, um, 
once I started to go, I went to a dentist that actually worked with a naturopath that knew about the dentistry stuff. And I found out there was like this, there's this chart about your teeth and you can see that every single tooth in your mouth is related to a different system in your body. So actually one of my front teeth that had a bridge metal bridge on it was related to fertility i found out and i had actually found someone else online through some message boards long ago that she had also been having fertility issues and we had a bridge in the same exact <laughs> tooth, front tooth um so that was kind of wild to have that in common but i really do think that was a big piece of my general fertility issues and once i started getting um, my stuff taken out then my husband with anxiety his anxiety got worse and he didn't go to the counselor or the coach and um, six months go by and I'm having all these you know revelations and and insights about my health and I was just going through the spiritual awakening kind of that's what I would call it and I was just feeling so much better and finding all these answers and he was just freaking out and other people told me, it's like, when you have anxiety, any change is scary. So finally he went six months later to a coaching appointment and came back and said, if I was single, I don't think I'd want to have a child, but because I'm with you, let's just go ahead. And at that point I just said, you know what? I can't go any further here. You're, you know, it was like, there wasn't support. I was feeling emotionally alone and I didn't want to bring a child into this world that was feeling partly unloved or not, not like they were supposed to be here. So, um, so I made the choice to leave and a year later from when I made that decision was when I actually met my husband, Matthias. Um, and, uh, through a trip to Sweden, uh, my dad won a medical education prize and I went on the trip and at a swing dance evening, same night as the prize award, I met my husband and what's interesting about my story is while I was waiting and while I was trying to conceive for so long, I learned to Lindy Hop and this other dance called Baboa of swing dances. And um, that is how I met my husband was because I became good at that dance. When I went and traveled, Sweden is a big place for swing dancing. And so when I went to this evening, everyone's like, wow, you're from the US. And actually when I met Matthias, we knew a couple instructors because there's international instructors that go between cities. And so we had a few people that we knew in common and, um, we danced and I, I added him on Facebook and we were just friends for several years. And then, um, three, four years went by and I was getting frustrated and dating different people and nothing was working and I was fed up <laughs> and I was, you know, 40, getting around 40. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to have a child. And so I decided to become a single mom by choice and had like one attempt with a sperm donor. And then right after that, Matisse and I started writing to each other and he was like, well, you know, what's up in your life right now? And I said, Oh, well, you know, I'm planning to become a single mom and by choice. And wow, what's that? And anyway, he started writing me more and kind of asking more questions and became a bit more like dating. And, and what really brought us together was this interest in having a family, having a child. And so we actually agreed, I agreed to put my plans on hold until I could move to Sweden. I'm from the Seattle area in the US. And 
I agreed to put everything on hold till I got there, but it was sort of like, let's just try right away because by that point I was 42 by the time I moved to Sweden. So I said, you know, I don't really want to wait any longer. And we didn't know if we would be long-term partners. We are married now, but when I moved, we, the only commitment we made was that we would try to have a child together and that we felt we trusted each other enough that if our relationship didn't work out, that we could still parent together. So that was a starting point. And so I moved to Sweden and end of July, had a new job, new stress, and um, started as a music teacher here. And um, four months went by and which is like nothing in my longer scheme of things, but I thought I was healthy. Um, I had the right partner. I thought everything was in place. It should be fine. Uh, and then I pulled out this workbook. I had been planning to start my business as a fertility coach and I'd been gathering resources and I pulled out this one workbook and I started doing these relaxation and meditation and music. I'm a, I've been a music teacher. So, um, and really tuning into my intuition again and, we booked a fertility clinic appointment just to check everything out. Um, but I had this really clear thought that you're not going to need that. Uh, I thought, oh, I don't know. I was just so weary. And, and I started to check. So I was looking up egg donor um, IVF because in Sweden, you can get actually free IVF if you're under um, 40, but I was over 40. So um, then I couldn't qualify for that. So if we were going to do it, IVF, it would have to be egg donor or IVF, and it would have to be in another country. <laughs> so it was going to be quite the detailed procedure if we had to go that route. But I also looked up adoption, and I found out that in Sweden, um, if you're over 42, so if you're 43 or older, you can't adopt a newborn. <laughs> and, I, and so in December, I turned 43, and it was like this horrible birthday where I was crying. And like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen. And just if you're listening and you're at that point, I just want to say it was like a couple weeks later that we actually got pregnant with my rainbow baby. And I know sometimes I've heard that saying is like the darkest right before dawn. When you just think you're about to give up everything, sometimes that's right when something happens. And, um, and actually that was right. Like I felt like I was in this really, really dark place right before I found the spiritual coach before it too. So that was another turning point where I was like, oh, oh, it's hopeless. Everything's crazy. And then something else comes in and it, it helps you. So anyway, we had two weeks off school and it was Christmas. And I believe my son was conceived right around Christmas, but I'd been charting for like three months and I gave myself a break that month. And But I could guess because I was really following my signs pretty well. Um, and so we get in January, we come back from break and I'm a couple days late for my period, but I had so much anxiety about testing from all the years before that I said, you know what, I'm not going to take a pregnancy test. I have the symptoms. I see them, but I don't know if he'll get past implantation. So I just said, let's just wait. So we go into the clinic appointment and I said, I think I might be pregnant. So he did a P test and sure enough, right away, it came up positive. And he did an early ultrasound and we found out that I had fibroids, which I knew about from the previous fertility clinic stuff they showed up. And I kind of knew they were there, but it was good to know. And then he did 
he, because we had the ectopic before, he did an early ultrasound at six and a half weeks just to check and everything was in the right place and heartbeat. And it was like this, you know, okay, this is really happening. And so my son was, um, it was a difficult pregnancy. I was 43 when I conceived and 43 when I gave birth to him. Um, and I had the fibroids. So that was like, I had some pain where I had to take off time and stuff and went to halftime work. But um, it all just kind of timed perfectly I, with teaching. I, I ended up having the last two months off before he was born and he came a couple weeks early and needed a little NICU time. But he um, was so big that in the NICU, the sensors actually were falling off his foot. <laughs> he was... 3.2 kilos or just over seven pounds. So he was a big baby for being preemie. Um, so they were like, don't worry. And he was only there for like a day and he came out. But um, I guess I, in my story, I wanted to just give other people hope that um, there is life beyond the miscarriage and that, you know, just to kind of keep tuning into your intuition and listening. And like I said, the dental stuff, if, if anyone's listening to this and you happen to have had any kind of root canals, titanium teeth implants, metal kind of bridge work or, or mercury fillings, um, all of those things, even just having, um, you could have had your wisdom teeth removed and if it wasn't done correctly, there can be infection that lingers in there. Um, there are a lot of different things in your mouth that can be an issue. So, um, but getting in touch with a holistic dentist is uh, really important for checking that out because the traditional dentistry doesn't really look at all these kind of things. And I would just say um, fertility coaches in general, we help with most or everyone that I know of has usually struggled with some kind of conception or miscarriage issue themselves. So number one, you have someone who's in, on your side and it kind of understands where you're coming from. But also we have a network of practitioners too. So we're all sharing with each other and learning. And I feel like we have this wealth of knowledge and resources for, um, you know, I just had someone else, a uh, new client recently who is also having trouble uh, or has had troubles conceiving and she also had dental work issues. And so it, with that kind of thing, it was hard to, it's hard to find where to go and who to talk to and all that. So I was able to point her in the right direction. And then now I'm also working with the music piece and helping people write a song for their child and helping with practices for pregnancy itself. Cause I discovered that one of the other things is if you've had a miscarriage before and then you're pregnant again, it can be a scary place to be because you're like, you know, when's that next appointment? When's that next thing? You know, what else is going to go wrong? Um, so really tuning into your body and listening is so important. And um, the sound healing practices are what I've been tuning into now. And just amazing to find um, how much it can improve your both emotional health and physical outcomes for pregnancy. So um, there was one study in India with a humming and breathing practice where um, those who practice this just like five to 10 minutes a day, uh, all of them in the study group had normal blood pressure. And I know high blood pressure can be a risk factor when you have more stress in the pregnancy. And 25% in the control group had high blood pressure. 
And then there was like a drop in the number of miscarriages and decline in premature births and less pain during labor. I'm all for that. <laughs> so, and then one, the thing that really got me was this practice in this particular study, none of the newborns had a lack of oxygen after they were born compared to 12% in the control group. And that, that was my son needing time in the NICU. So um, anyway, uh, I'm just, it's, it's really rewarding to be able to help other people on the journey. Cause for me, it was uh, 10 years from when I first tried to conceive until my son was born. So don't give up hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, now, if you had one piece of advice for anybody going through kind of like what you went through, what would it be? It's that, that intuition piece, the coming back to really honoring your own wisdom that like we do need people to consult with. Like, I don't know how to take stuff out of my mouth or dentistry or whatever, but um, I feel like the biggest thing that I lost in the journey was feeling out of control and feeling like I just handed over everything to the doctors. And I feel like the big thing shift for me was like taking that control back and saying, you know, like, no, my intuition is valid. You might not have the right answer for me, but I'm going to go look and ask somebody else and kind of to just be curious and asking more what and how, like sort of how can I make this better questions versus just why is this happening to me? I think it's easy to get stuck in, especially if you have recurrent miscarriages, it's easy to get stuck in the kind of um, feeling like uh, you're being punished or something like that. And um, instead of being able to be more empowered by saying like, no, um, there is something out here. I just got to keep digging and, and just really trust. Like when I first went to the fertility clinic, I had this feeling of dread, like I wanted to run out the door. <laughs> and it really wasn't a positive place for me. Um, so I wish that I had like research, like if I was going to do it again, to research the different places and find a doctor that really resonates with you. And, and that it's okay to say, you know, I don't, even if the doctor is giving you the thing, like, okay, you have XYZ condition, you really need IVF but you don't like the way they're treating you to say, okay, I'm going to take that and go somewhere else where I am being listened to. I am being heard and respected. And so, yeah, that's kind of my big thing is listen to your intuition. <laughs> yes. And then if somebody does want to reach out to you, Leah, where could they do so? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn, Leah Irby. It's L-E-A-H-I-R-B-Y and Instagram is Leah Irby. And on Facebook, I have a, a business page under New Conceptions by Leah Irby. And yeah, those are the, the main things. And I have a website at leahirby.com. Sorry, I'm just writing all this down. <laughs> oh, sorry. <I> no, <laughs> you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah, because I'll link, I'll link all of those in the description of this episode. Uh, okay. Thank you so much, Leah, for jumping yes. on, sharing your story, and doing what you do as well. Uh, we all really appreciate it. So, thank you so much. It's it's. I've been listening to some of your episodes, and it's it's really cool just to hear other people's experiences and see the 
similarities actually. <laughs> yeah. Similarities yeah. and differences. Like it's yeah. so, yeah. you yeah. can relate to every single episode, but yet all the stories are so different. Yes, uh, we are. So it's kind of cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. well, thank, so thank you so you much. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, okay. Yes. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.